Hey, welcome in everybody to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter at, at Coach Bo Knows Show on Twitter. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. You'll find it there. And you can email us anytime at show at gmail.com. This is episode 61, and today I want to kind of catch up on some things. Uh, usually on the Monday podcast, during this time of year, we'll have Uncle Rico come in and do kind of a catch-up of all things of the NFL this week. Because of some scheduling conflicts, he's not able to join us tonight. I'm recording Sunday night and uh, because I couldn't do Monday, so we're going to do get some stuff going here. So this is not going to have any of Monday night's game. Sunday night game is ending as we record this, so I want to catch everybody up. But uh, that's where we're at just behind the scenes. I want to apologize also. There was no .5 pod this week. I had a family emergency this week and was not available late in the week, so I want to say thank you to Ellen and to Uncle Rico and a few others that reached out to me, let me know they were thinking about me and some things going on. Um, we'll tell everybody a little bit more later when it's, when it's appropriate, but everybody's okay. That's the important part. Um, what I want to get into today is I first want to, I want to talk about the NFL, obviously, kind of my takes from week seven in the NFL. Uh, I think the biggest two things I really wanted to get into is I want to go over the Chiefs game first. Uh, first and foremost, Kansas City Chiefs just put a whooping on the 49ers. I mean, this wasn't close. This was... I don't know. I was talking to my wife about it at halftime. And I said, the best thing about the Chiefs right now, as someone who likes to put a little wager on the game once in a while, is that the Chiefs are usually a favorite. And it's hard to lay a lot of points. Sometimes they're a five, six, seven-point favorite. Uh, this week, they were a five-point favorite at one point. And then, of course, the 49ers make the big trade for Christian McCaffrey. That spread was one point on Sunday morning. However, I waited. I waited, and I said, let's see what happens. And thanks to our friends at Caesars, um, I waited for live betting on the game. And when the Chiefs got down 10 nothing, I was watching, and I went, the Chiefs are going to win this game. It wasn't like they were playing poorly. You know, Mahomes threw an interception. He made a mistake. But it wasn't poor play. And the 49ers didn't look good. It was just really they had, um, you know, a drive. They got a field goal. And then the short field and the interception and got a, got a touchdown. And I thought, hey, this is when you want to bet it. So I was able to get the Chiefs on the money line at almost two and a half to one. So I want to thank the Chiefs once again. This strategy has worked for me twice so far. But what I, again, this only works because the Chiefs are never down. Even when they're down 10 points early, you look at them and go, well, they're still better than their opponent. And that's how it's been, really, the whole Reed and Mahomes era. And it, I think it's just like that now. I, I look at this team and I go, look, there's, I think there's three really good teams in the NFL, and the Chiefs are one of them. I mean, the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles are in their own category I think there's four or five in the next category below them. And then I think everybody else is just average. 
and we'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. But uh, Chiefs were impressive, a big win in their game. Uh, and not, you know, the 44-23, the, the going into the game, the 49ers are the number one rated defense in the league. Chiefs run up 44 on them. And something we'll talk about other games coming up here where a lot of teams that are struggling are struggling because they can't run the football. The Chiefs actually threw the ball more this week than they ran it, which has been kind of rare the last couple of weeks. That has been the recipe for losing this week, it worked for the Chiefs. They, they ran a little less than they threw, um, only because the Chiefs were just getting wildly open guys. I mean, it was the game plan from Andy Reid and, and what they did, the offensive staff, they did a great job of scheming this game. And it was said, I think it was a Sunday night game on the pregame show, um, and, I, and Chris Sims said it. I've said this for a few weeks now. I think I said it going into the season. I think the subtraction of Tyreek Hill, well, it kind of stinks. You don't have that deep threat. I think it's making Patrick Mahomes a better quarterback. He has to play within the offense. And I mentioned that there's going to be some frustrating times. He's had a couple of those games already. Um, you know, their first loss of the season was like that. But I really do think, and you might see that from time to time, but I think in the long run, this is going to make Patrick Mahomes even better. It's not just a throwing it out there deep on a wing in a prayer when he's in trouble. He's having to read defenses a little more. It helps. He's got a big body like Kelsey who just has incredibly strong hands and takes balls away from people who are having him in coverage. Really impressive. I think that the Chiefs are impressive. Again, I think they're probably the second best team in the in the AFC right now behind Buffalo. And, and there's an argument to be had that they're equal. I mean, I'm not gonna I wouldn't nitpick that thing. I mean, those two are the best two teams in the AFC. And they're two of the best three teams in the whole league, I think. So I was very impressed with the Chiefs today. I'll tell you a couple teams I wasn't impressed with, and these are teams with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. The Green Bay Packers. I I don't even know what to say at this point. I have said continuously that I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the all-time greats. I think that skill-wise, he is as skilled, if not more skilled, than every single quarterback I've ever seen. I He can do literally every part of the quarterback position. But I don't care who you are. If you throw the ball 35 times and run the ball 12 times, you are not going to win the game. And it happened again. It happened again to the Packers. Packers get out 14-10 in the first half against Washington at Washington. And then Washington comes out in the second half, scores 10 in the third quarter, and then just shuts the Packers down. Packers got a late touchdown when they were down 10. That got them back in it, but they really weren't in it when, you know, they got the uh, they had to try to do an onside kick and didn't have a chance. The commanders gave them the ball back. Even then, the Packers with 30 seconds couldn't make it happen with depth of timeouts. But I would shoulder the blame here on the play calling. And whether that is Aaron Rodgers is trying to get the, the offense out of plays in the plays he wants, or if it's LaFleur and the offensive staff, They've got to get on the same page because the Packers are now three and four, and they are 
three games back in the NFC North. The Vikings are sitting there at 5-1, and one, and the Vikings are on bye this week, but the Vikings have won four in a row. They look fantastic. And, I mean, if you look at this, the Vikings, um, they, they have, I don't want to say it's a, a lead that they can't give up, but, man, three games up is really tough. The Packers are going to have to beat them twice and get help. Um, until the Packers can run the football, and the frustrating thing is the Packers have two capable running backs. Aaron Jones is a fantastic player, and he's the most targeted player in the passing game. Well, he had nine catches today. He had eight carries and nine catches. And that just tells me everything I need to know about that Green Bay offense right now. Rodgers doesn't trust the other guys. They're asking too much of Rodgers with the people around him right now. And then the running game has just been awful. Jones had eight carries for 23 yards. A.J. Dillon, four carries for 15 yards. Look, if you're only going to have 12 carries, you're just not going to win. Plain and simple. And, and that's just a, a fact. The other team that I'm just looking at, and I'm going, wow, they are bad. And they're bad for a specific reason, is the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tampa Bay... Just went into Carolina, a team that is playing P.J. Walker at quarterback. Just traded Christian McCaffrey this week. And Carolina just boat raced Tom Brady and the Bucks, 21-3. Tom Brady threw the ball 49 times in this game. I'm going to repeat that. 49 times. The only score for Tampa in this game was a field goal in the fourth quarter. They rushed the ball, they the Bucks. I'm sorry, 16 times. If you've got a 44-year-old quarterback throwing the ball 49 times, and you're only running the ball 16 times, with your primary rusher being Leonard Fournette, it tells me you've got a lot of problems, and I'm going to tell you right now what the main problem in the Tampa Bay offense is. It's number 12. Tom Brady is horrible. He's awful. He is hurting his team now. I know that there's some talk that, you know, he's going through a lot. You know, there's there's a reported thing about him and doing a divorce. You know, he just came out of retirement. Look, that's his mess. And people have a life and they still work. Tom Brady has been a public person for 20-plus years in the NFL, and he's enjoyed the riches of that and enjoyed everything that goes with that. However, what I will say is that he is not, at this point, worthy of still playing football. He's awful. He might be the worst quarterback in the NFL. He is hurting his team Every single time he plays. Every time. And if you're going to have a 44-year-old quarterback throw the ball 49 times with this rushing attack. Now, I know people are going to say, well, Mike Evans didn't catch the wide-open touchdown. Yes, but tell me why else they didn't score but three points in this game. It wasn't just one play. Tom Brady is the problem. And look. 
think of it from Tom Brady's point of view here. It, it, he's he's struggling. He's thinking he probably shouldn't have done this. He's all the problems with Giselle, which looks like it's all surrounding football. It's going to be hard to walk away, and you don't want to be known as a quitter. I totally get that. But if there's anybody who has enough, um, if you want to say it, credit with the people, it is Tom Brady. Tom Brady could come out and say, hey, look, I have a lot going on off the field, and I would be really blunt with what's going on at home. I would say, listen, my wife and I are having issues. Most of it's related to football. And I came back because I wanted to continue this, and I, I, wanted to, I, I, well, I wanted to be with the guys in the locker room, but I can't give this what it deserves, and now I'm hurting this team. If he did that and said it's time to walk away, I think people would respect that. You're going to get the Twitter hate, the, the people on Twitter who are going to, no matter what you do, they're going to be upset. But think of it this way. This is a chance for Tom Brady to really go in and say, hey, I'm going to do something that no one else has done. I'm going to realize that my time has come, and I'm not going to hurt this team anymore. The Bucks are three and four, and it's crazy because the NFC South right now, three and four, is actually first place. Um, they're tied with the Falcons right now, two games, oh, one game back are the Panthers and Saints at two and five. Now I just look at this, and the Bucks have lost the last two. They really haven't been competitive in games. I look at this now and I go, look, it, it's time. You know, is he going to play the string out? You know, maybe. He's got 10 more games in this regular season. I think if I were him, I would consider. It's time for him to start considering what his next move is. And, and it, for me, perfectly honest, he's hurting his team. Someone who's not hurting his team is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is back for the Cowboys. The Cowboys looked outstanding today. Um, you know, we were talking, Uncle Rico and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and he was stopping short of it's a full-on quarterback controversy. That's not what he was saying. But he was saying, hey, you know, Cooper Rush has been pretty good. He keeps winning games. Well, Dak is back. And it was a little bit of a slow start. The Cowboys offense really didn't get rolling until the second half. But when you look at this, I mean, it's 6-3 at the half. It's all field goals. Cowboys weren't playing bad. They're just not quite getting it. But what the Cowboys do well, and this is where having Dak is going to help, is they run the football. 32 rushes for Dallas this week, 15 for Zeke, 12 for Tony Pollard. They average 4.2 yards, or 4.3 yards a carry today. Prescott goes 19 of 25. It's a really efficient day. No interception, throws a touchdown pass. When they can be efficient and they run the football, they're going to be successful. And late in the game, that's exactly what happened. The last three scores were just wearing that defense down, and then bam, bam, bam. Next thing you know, it's 24-6, and the Cowboys win. So, I mean, it's one of those things where... This is, the, this is what you have to do in the NFL. I know that people like the big numbers, the Patrick Mahomes numbers. Joe Burrow had huge numbers again this week. 
You know, people want to see that. Tom Brady's even had good numbers. But the best situations right now in the game today are the teams that have a run-pass balance. And the teams that run the ball the best, they're the ones who are the most successful. Now, I will point that the 49ers are one of the best running teams in the league, and they got their doors blown off by the Chiefs this week. But I'll think that the difference there is, while Tom Brady may be the worst quarterback in the league right now, Jimmy Garoppolo is just as bad. And I'm going to continue to ride that. I think he's a horrible quarterback. I think he played horrible today. And no amount of run game is going to save you from a guy who can't make a play. You don't have to have a guy that makes a bunch of plays. Dak Prescott's not going to go out and get you 400 yards very often. And you shouldn't need him to. But Dak Prescott can get you 265, a touchdown, not turn the ball over, let your run game go out there, and win a game 24-6. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on this, and I'm going to stay on this till I'm wrong, and because I'm not going to be wrong. Teams that run the football are the teams that are going to win. Why are the Chiefs better this season offensively than last season? Not as reliant on the big play, willing to run the football. I'm telling you, this is what has to be done in the NFL, even if you have those top quarterbacks. I mean, look, the Chiefs, Buffalo, they have the best two quarterbacks in the league. And they're pretty far above everybody else. They're not relying on Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes to throw for 400 yards every week. The, Buffalo, the Bills may be more reliant on Allen than the Chiefs are on Mahomes. But the run game is what, we, what teams need. And I think that's why the 49ers went and got Christian McCaffrey, to be perfectly frank. I think they know how bad Jimmy Garoppolo is. And they said, hey, we're going to have to find somebody else who can improve the run game, but also is a threat outside the, outside the run game in the short passing game. So I, you know, I think that's a good pickup for the 49ers. Didn't cost them a first-round pick somehow. I don't know how that happened. But... I think that's amazing what they're going on there. Last couple of things I want to talk about. My man Joe Burrow. Man, I done warned you people about Joe Burrow. Haven't I warned everybody? My man is back. He's back, dude. 34 of 42. 481 yards. Three touchdowns. No interceptions. He also ran for a touchdown. My man is here, and he's here to let everybody know that the Bengals may be the Bungles, but he's Joe fucking Burrow. And he has, since week one, 12 touchdowns, one interception. And since then, four and two. Bengals are in first place. Just beat the Falcons, who came off of beating Brady last week. I'm telling you, Give it up. My man Joe's going to get it done. He'll be, he'll be sitting there at the end. And the difference is going to be, the difference to those Bengals and why they're not as good as Buffalo and Kansas City is that run game. Buffalo and Kansas City have the run game. Cincinnati doesn't. It's great that Joe Burrow threw 42 times and threw for 489 yards. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. And he, he's, you know, he has more 400-yard passing, game, passing yard games in the last three years than anybody in the league. 
That's wonderful. It does hurt them if they can't run the football. They ran the ball 21 times today, mixing uh, 17 times, 3.4 on an average. They're going to have to commit to that run. If they don't do that, they're going to have problems late in the playoffs with a team like Kansas City or Buffalo. But my man Burrow is carrying that team right now. Which brings me to my last point in the NFL, and I kind of touched on it just a little bit, is these teams that run the football. Balanced offenses. Um, I'm just watching here. I got up in the game here. The, the, the Dolphins just won over the Steelers. Uh, we now look at the AFC. AFC East, everyone is above 500 or at 500. Patriots are 3-3. Three three, Dolphins 4-3. Jets 5-2. Buffalo 5-1. But if you look... In the AFC, Buffalo's 5-1, the Chiefs are 5-2, Tennessee is 4-2, they've already had a bye. In the NFC, the Eagles are 6-0, they play, they are their bye this week. The Giants are 6-1, the Cowboys are 5-2, the Vikings 5-1. That gives you eight teams with five wins or more. I'm sorry, seven teams with four wins or more and 24 teams in the league within one game of 500. Literally, it's a ridiculous number here. Everyone's within the game of 500, um, which means that anybody can technically beat anybody on any given day. We've seen that this week with the Commanders beat the Packers and the Bucks losing to the Panthers. But really and truly, how many good teams are there? I'm convinced the Giants are a good team now. And the Giants are doing what you're supposed to do when you don't have a great, a great quarterback. Look, Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. They're 6-1. and one. They went out there, ran the ball 39 times today, threw it 30. Jones was 19-30, no interceptions, don't turn the ball over. One sack for two yards. Saquon Barkley, 24 carries, 110 yards. Jones had 100, 107 yards in rushing on 11 attempts. It tells me, again, running the football matters. The Giants are 6-1 and one because of it. And if you look at teams that have six wins right now, and the teams that have six wins are, well, just the Eagles, and the Giants. We have a couple of five-win teams in the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Bills, and the Jets, and the Chiefs. A team that is six and one has ten games left. Look, they've only got to go five hundred to get in the playoffs from here on out. Kansas City is five and two. They've got ten games left. If they go five hundred, they're in. Ten games is gonna get you in the playoffs. So there's the difference. Why do those first seven games matter? We're not quite halfway, we're almost, and we're starting to see who the tippy-top teams are. And honestly, I really believe that we've got, let me count this, one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven teams that are good teams. There are teams where you go, they have a chance to be there at the end. And of those seven that I'm counting, I'm counting the Jets in there, and I'm counting the Cowboys and and the Giants. I'm counting them on record alone. So really and truly, if you want to include the Vikings, which I think is fair, the Vikings, the Eagles, the Bills, the Chiefs, there's four teams. There's four teams. 
that are pretty much better than everybody. And everyone else is, let's see. Let's see what happens on a given day. The NFL wants parity. The NFL's got parity. We'll switch it up here a little bit now. Talk a little college football. Exciting weekend in college football all around. Had some teams on by. We had some big wins. We had some losses. Things are shaking up. And I think the thing I really have taken away from this weekend in college football is we still don't have a very good clue of who's going to be standing at the end for the college football playoff. Uh, I'll get there in a sec, but here we go. Ohio State wins Huge over Iowa, 54-10. They were the highest-rated team playing this week as Georgia, number one, was in the bye. Ohio State rolled Iowa, who did not score an offensive point in this game. The touchdown was on a fumble recovery. C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State, 20 of 30, 286 and four touchdowns. The guy who is the Heisman favorite right now. Fantastic game against an Iowa Hawkeyes team that there is a lot of controversy in what's going on in Iowa City. And I, you know, I don't know if you know what's going on, but Kirk Ferentz, who's been the longtime head coach, has been the most successful coach in Iowa history, uh, has just been his son Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator in Iowa's been horrible offensively this year. I mean, just cannot score points. Their biggest point total this year is 27 points against Rutgers and Nevada. Other than that, they've put out outputs of 10, 6, um, 7, 7 against South Dakota State earlier in the year, and they've been shut out. It, it's There's a lot of folks calling for Brian Ferris, the offense going to be fired. Of course, it's hard, difficult for Kirk Ferris to fire his own son, but you know the issue is when you hire your family to do a job like that, when you hire somebody, you've got to think about what happens if they don't do the job, and Iowa's not doing the job. Other top 10, I'm just going to hit some of these scores in the top here. Tennessee, number three in the country after their big win last week against Alabama, uh, had a non-con game with Tennessee Martin, beat them 65-24. Uh, just an incredible game. Tennessee's offense, Henning Hooker, also a Heisman candidate, 18-24, 276, three touchdowns in the win there. Tennessee's cruising, and you know we're going to see them in a couple of weeks against Georgia. Clemson, number five ranked Clemson, squeaks by Syracuse at home in a game that Clemson had to score 17 points in the fourth quarter to win 27-21. I have said it time and time again. I refuse to get off my soapbox about this. Dabo Sweeney is the most overrated coach in college football, and I just think that Clemson is going to run into a buzzsaw. They, it should have been this week. Syracuse had them beat, and Syracuse is not a good team by any means. Clemson's fortunate. They're 8-0. They play in a really poor conference. Their last four games coming up, they have Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, and then at South Carolina. South Carolina, who's now ranked 25 after their win at Texas A&M. I guess we're all rooting for Notre Dame this week. 
or in two weeks, there's a bye week between now and then for Clemson. But I guess we're rooting for Notre Dame on the 5th to take Clemson out of this college football playoff. Otherwise, Clemson's going to run the road in the ACC, pick off everybody in a really shitty conference, and somehow, because they're the conference champion, they're going to get into the, the playoff. But they're not a good team, and I, I don't see... They're not a top-five team. I don't think they're a top-ten team, honestly. I think any other team in the top ten would beat Clemson. So we'll see what happens there. Bama, coming back from their loss against Tennessee a week ago, beat up Mississippi State 30-6. to uh, Bryce Young trying to get himself back into the Heisman uh, finalist area. 21 of 35, 249 and two touchdowns. Uh, a game that was all Bama early, and then they just coasted it in the second half. What was, I think, maybe the best game in the top 25, and that was K-State and TCU. Number 17, K-State, goes into TCU, gets an early lead. Um, it was pretty amazing. K-State was up 28-10 to 10 at one point. Ends up being 38-28 as TCU down the stretch. They, we've seen this all season from TCU. They're 7-0. They have come through playing just top-notch offense, and every week it's a big number offensively, 38 points this week, which marks the lowest offensive output they've had. They've had 38 three times against Kansas State, against Kansas, and Colorado. They give up a lot of points, TCU does. They score a lot of points. Kansas State's lucky to have scored 28 in that game, a couple of early mistakes for TCU and a couple of big plays led to the Cats getting in there early and getting ahead, but TCU blew their doors off in the second half, just a better team. I, I don't think Kansas State is a very good football team, to be perfectly frank. I their two losses are you know, at TCU, and now a loss doesn't look too bad. That's at home against Tulane, who is 7-1. But Kansas State still has... Some road to hoe here, as they say. Coming up this week, they'll be at home against Oklahoma State. They'll have Texas coming in the week after. Then road games at Baylor, at West Virginia, and then a home game against Kansas. K-State still got to win a game to get to be, to, be, to be bowl eligible. I don't think they'll go 0-5 in these next five, but don't get caught slipping, K-State. Just saying. Just saying. Another game in the topsy-turvy uh, world of the Big 12, Oklahoma State and Texas. Boy, Texas looked really good in this game early and was really taking it to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State just pulls it off late. That offense came to, came to fruition again in the fourth quarter. This is who they've been really for the last half of last year in this whole season up until their loss last week to TCU. I was the one two weeks ago touting that Oklahoma State could be a college football playoff team. I still think they can win the Big 12. I still think they're the favorite to win the Big 12. Uh, TCU will have to play them again in the championship game. I think Oklahoma State can get them a sec in the second meeting. But they're going to have to win some games here. Oklahoma State comes back two late touchdowns, beats Texas 41-34. Texas is now 5-3, and three, and... They have played some, they've had some bad luck in some games. Their three losses, I mean, they lose to Bama by one at home, Texas Tech by three. This is their biggest loss, seven point loss to Oklahoma State. But 
when you have three losses by 11 points, you're a competitive team. And they and Texas is a competitive team. Um, not going to be where they want to be with Quinn Ewers right now at quarterback, but they're, they have plenty of room to grow. And if Quinn Ewers is not the guy next year, well, they've got another guy coming in. They're the ones who have Arch Manning coming. And the next generation of Manning might be the savior Texas needs. The other top 25 matchup I want to talk about, and this was an important one, was actually a top 10 matchup, and that was UCLA and Oregon. One week ago, Utah beat USC and gave USC their first loss in the Pac-12. It looked like UCLA and USC were going to be on a ride to run the table, go undefeated, play to their at the very end, winner going to a Pac-12 championship. Oregon, who only has one loss coming in, which was a blowout week one to, to Georgia, just put it on UCLA. Uh, this game was never as close as the score looks. It was 45-30. I watched a good bit of this game. And Bo Nix, who I don't think is that great a player, but I'm trying to criticize college players, played what might be one of the best games he's ever played. 22 of 28, five touchdowns. I mean, he was just dropping bombs in this game against UCLA's defense. He also ran the ball eight times, 51 yards. All in all, Oregon rushed 46 times for 262 yards. I'll repeat that. 46 rushes for 262, averaging 5.7 yards a rush. UCLA had 30 rushes for 186. You had two teams that could run the football in the end. Oregon was too much early in the game, and the early turnovers by UCLA really hurt them. Oregon wins the game, and I think establishes now that they're in first place in the Pac-12 with an undefeated conference record. Maybe they can be the team that sneaks in to a college football playoff. So I want to talk about that for a minute here. College football playoff, we have the new rankings out right now. Not the official college football rankings, but the polls. Georgia is one in both polls. Ohio State is two, Tennessee three, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama, TCU, Oregon, Oklahoma State. Both polls match up the top nine exactly. Uh, number 10 and number 10 and 11 are Wake Forest and USC. They're twisted. One's 10, one's 11 in each of the two polls. So you got your top 10 there. It's going to come down to a couple of games here. Oklahoma State is and TCU. TCU has a chance where if they can run the table in the Big 12, they can get in. It's going to take an undefeated team from the Big 12 to get into this football playoff. TCU's remaining schedule, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Texas, Baylor, Iowa State, and then probably another showdown with Oklahoma State. So TCU's schedule now looks kind of favorable if you look at Oklahoma State, who's still, again, a game back with the loss to TCU. Oklahoma State has Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Oklahoma State will have to get some help or will have to beat TCU in the Big 12 championship game to get in. I just don't see a one-loss team getting in the big, into the college football playoff. Uh, from the Big 12. We Top four. This is where it gets interesting. Top four right now. Georgia at one. Ohio State at two. 
I want to take those two because I really think those are the best two football teams. I think Alabama is as talented, certainly as well coached, but they've lost the game to Tennessee already, who is ranked three. Georgia still plays Tennessee. That game is coming up in two weeks on the 5th. That same day, we'll have Georgia and Tennessee. We'll also have LSU versus Alabama. So if we see a little anarchy, that could be a weekend that could be could create some anarchy. So I look at these games, and then you have Ohio State at 2, who frankly I think is the best team. I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. I've said it for about three weeks now. Uh, if I was going to rank them, I would rank it Ohio State, Georgia. I'd rank Tennessee 3 and Michigan 4. I'd probably have Bama 5. I would drop Clemson somewhere to like 15 or 20. I don't think they're very good at all. I'd probably have them in the top 10, but not too high. Um, but we have Tennessee, again, playing Georgia in two weeks. Michigan plays Ohio State in the traditional last game of the regular season before the Big 12, before the Big 10 championship. So that X is an elimination game, so to speak. You could see a loser in those two games get back in if they get help. But in theory, if the other ones win out, you're not even the champion of your own division. It's kind of hard to be put as the third or fourth team, maybe over a conference champion like Clemson, like TCU. Or maybe an Oregon team whose one loss would be to Georgia. So a lot to see play out here as far as the college football playoff. And you never know what kind of anarchy is going to happen in the meantime. You know, will Georgia lose to Tennessee? You know, Tennessee still has games with, with Kentucky coming up next week, which could be a trap game with Kentucky being a little, uh, getting healthy and that being the game before Georgia. You know, you could see something in there. What if Alabama, you know, if, if Tennessee knocks off Georgia, and Alabama wins out, they win the West, and now you've got Tennessee versus Bama, and Bama beats Tennessee. Well, then who goes to the playoff? Three teams with one loss. A lot going on. A lot can still happen. I do think in the end, I think we're going to see Georgia. I think we're going to see Ohio State. I think, I, I, I want to say I think Oregon. I, I really was impressed with Oregon this week. Clemson's going to backdoor their way into this so undeservedly. And I think we'll see the Big 12 kind of eat their own in a way. I don't see TCU running the table. I just don't. I know they score a lot of points. They give up a lot of points too. So we'll see what happens there. My last subject of the weekend, sports-wise, is we have talked about this the last couple weeks, Ellen and I, before. We've had a couple of weeks with no point five. So we haven't been able to talk much about it, but that's Major League Baseball. Ellen and I love talking baseball, and you know this has really been since I was a boy my favorite sport. I love talking football, but I really love talking baseball. And I want to shout out the Philadelphia Phillies. Since we've last talked baseball on this show, San Diego Padres beat the Dodgers, the prohibited Vegas favorite in, in, the, Ameri- in the National League. And then after winning that series... went and played the Phillies. The Phillies win the series four games to one and did it with lots of hitting. The big guns, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, those three guys came in big in the series against the Padres. 
And the Padres, their big guys, Machado and, and Soto, played well. They, 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 they hit home runs. They kept the team in. I think the Phillies in the end were the better team. And I'll tell you what I'm happy about in the whole thing is Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is my son's favorite player. P-Money loves Bryce Harper. I think it's the hair. Um, I, I'm a big Bryce Harper fan myself. I think he's one of the real great all-around baseball players. He's found a home in Philly. And winning game five with the home run in the eighth from Harper to go ahead in the game, you know, from being 3-2 to 4-3 and winning the game, I think was big. I think it's big for Harper's legacy. I think it's big for the Phillies. That's what you pay that guy to do. And it's nice to see when it happens. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the Yankees right now. They're about to go into the ninth inning of this game. They're down three games to none, and they're losing game four right now. And Aaron Judge is hitting 160 in the playoffs. You've got to have your big guns playing big in the playoffs. That's what hurt them Dodgers. Mookie Betts is my favorite player, but Mookie Betts did not play well in the Dodgers series against the Padres, and it hurt them. The Jenkins lose. That's right. That's right. Hey, we're sitting here Sunday night, finishing up things. I waited. I waited. It was, it was still an inning to go, and the Yankees have lost. The Astros win a four-game sweep of the Yankees. I just, I'm loving this for so many reasons. One, it's the Yankees. I'm a Red Sox fan. Fuck the Yankees. Two, the Yankees fans are the worst when it comes to. Oh, the Astros are cheaters. They didn't cheat you this time. They didn't cheat you last time. Four games in a row. Kiss your ass. The Yankees lose. They're gone. Unbelievable collapse of the Yankees. This is a team that at the All-Star break was 15 games up in their division. They win the division after being historically up and damn near blew the division skated by in the division series, and then ran into the team that caught them in the second half for the best record in the American League, the Houston Astros, the team with the best record in the American League, and they dominated the Yankees in all ways in this series. Four games to none. Aaron Judge hitting 140 in the the postseason this year. I was just saying earlier, you've got to have... Your star players playing big in the playoffs, and the Astros did exactly that. Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez came up big in the playoffs, and look what happens. They're going to the World Series. They're going to face the Phillies, and this is going to be a great, great World Series. Hey, we will talk more about the World Series and preview all the World Series from the point five this week. Ellen and I will get together. We know game one will be Friday night. Um, wow, what an unbelievable weekend when it came to sports all around. We've got the World Series set up now. Houston Astros, Philadelphia Phillies. Hey, my uh, LSU Tigers with the big upset beating, beating Old Miss, knocking them out of the top ten. My Tulane Green Wave, all my Louisiana people are just kicking some ass. So shout out to all of them. Uh, what a great weekend. I hope the Chiefs fans are happy because you guys definitely deserve it as well. 
Everybody, have a great week. Let's get in here. Let's do this, finalize this whole thing up. I want to thank everybody for listening today. I want to thank Tyler Jones, everyone at Studio Soapbox for all they do behind the scenes. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Appreciate every five-star review. Don't forget in the show notes, we got links. Hey, don't forget, go full Caesar. You can place your first wager. If you lose, you'll get your stake back as a free bet up to $1,250. Use the link in our show notes. You're also going to get a $50 bonus on your first deposit of $100 or more. Check that out. We would thank Caesar Sportsbook for the sponsorship and everything they're doing. Also, don't forget Stitch Fix. Usually they're helping us out with the Uncle Rico piece here. They're still with us. Get $25 off your first Stitch box at Stitch Fix. Again, check out the link in the show notes. Follow the link. Save today. Hey, until Friday's Point Five Pod, I'm Coach Bo Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody. 